welcome to Opika's Innovation in Care Collaboration podcast series. My name is Ken McGill. Uh, I have served in a statewide children's system of care for almost two decades prior to coming over to Opika. However, it was during my tenure that I had the honor to meet and work with both Dr. Randy Sconiers, also known as Dr. S, and Aaron Bruno. Today's show will highlight both of their work in creative ways to support children and youth, especially those in foster care. When we really think about the impact of the worldwide pandemic and the effects it's had basically on everyone, but in particular, when we think about the almost one half a million people, children, youth that are in foster care and how their lives have been particularly impacted and haven't seen the impact directly in the homes in which they live, the schools in which they attend, and the community in which they live. And thinking about how long this worldwide pandemic has been going on since the March of April of 2019 until almost current present time. So we need to be as creative and innovative as we possibly can in engaging those who we serve. And this is what we do at Opica. We provide innovative solutions so that there's a strengthening of collaboration. So Dr. Randy Sconiers, who is the owner of New Steps Counseling Center in New Jersey, has served over 15 years, specifically working with the most at-risk youth. He's also the creator of Mental Hop, which focuses on mental health education through hip-hop culture. And Aaron Bruno, who's the coordinator of social-emotional learning and social decision-making at Rutgers University. Aaron has worked directly with school systems and that includes teachers, administrators, parents, students, and communities in providing specific trainings and supports around implementing uh, sustainable evidence-based practices around uh, social-emotional learning. So this, this particular podcast is going to be amazing. So stay tuned, and I'm glad you joined us. So we do want to welcome you. We want to welcome our panelists. Um, during our time together, our panelists will share creative ways in which we all can keep children, youth connected to health and wellness. Our first panelist is Dr. Randy Schooners. Uh, Dr. S, uh, as I know him, has his doctorate in social work. He is a licensed clinical social worker in New Jersey and Florida has over 20 years of experience uh, in the private practice setting and sharing uh, his knowledge throughout different systems. He has been on many platforms nationally and uh, has an amazing podcast. Uh, he is the owner, creator, and curator of Mental Hop, which focuses on mental health education through hip hop culture. Uh, Dr. S's information along with Aaron, our next panelist, will have all their contact information for you. Erin uh, Bruno, Ms. Bruno is the coordinator of social emotional learning, social decision making program at Rutgers University, the Behavioral Research Training Institute. Erin uh, consults with school districts across the state of New Jersey, the United States, and beyond, and the about implementing social decision making and evidence based practice for social emotional learning, which has been named an exemplary evidence based practice by Castle or the Collaborative for academic, social, and emotional learning. So I want to welcome both Aaron and Dr. S. I worked with Aaron at Rutgers University, and I worked with Dr. S., part of the Children's System of Care, during my tenure. So it's like a homecoming for me. So welcome, and thank you both for taking time out of your schedules um, to be here and share. But we, in particular, wanted to focus in on the youth in foster care, the children in foster care. There are all close to a half a million throughout the United States. Um, so their involvement with child welfare, having been taken out of their home because of abuse and neglect concerns, and they may also be involved and should be involved with the education system, but also may have behavioral mental health challenges, uh, medical uh, challenges. So we do want to make sure that we're looking at supporting the whole person. And because they've been taken out of their home, here are some 
just some brief statistics. Um, and we should be supporting all children and families, but in particular, children and youth who've been taken out of their homes. In 2017, nine out of every 1,000 children across the United States were determined to be survivors of abuse and neglect. 14% of the children in foster care have been in foster care for three or more years. Almost half in 2019, when they entered into foster care, were five years of age or younger. 25% a quarter of the foster children, so those in the foster care system, have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder, twice the rate of a United States war veteran, and to tend to suffer higher rates of debilitating depression and low self-esteem. At Opica, who were out in California, there are 60,000 children in foster care. So in 2018, almost 60% of the 12th graders in foster care graduated uh, with their high school cohort, meaning they started high school in freshman year and graduated with the same group. That's compared to 83% of all students. Only 3% of farm, former youth, uh, foster youth earn a college degree. And nearly half of these individuals who leave foster care after four years are unemployed. More than a quarter are incarcerated and 20% experience homelessness. So we really want to make sure that we want to be creative. And we have two amazing panelists here with us today who will share. So Dr. S, it is my honor and privilege to ask you this question. You facilitated uh, an amazing mental uh, hop symposium for Mental Health America this past summer in Washington, D.C. Would you please share with the group of attendees we have today how you focused on mental health engagement, education, and empowerment through hip hop culture. Of course, thanks a lot, Ken, for having me and Opika for inviting me to speak along with uh, the other panelists, uh, Aaron. I'm so excited and all the participants that are here today. It is an honor for me to talk about this wonderful, powerful culture called hip hop. Uh, just to give you a little backstory, in 2017, I had always utilized hip-hop culture as a way to engage young people. So I started out as a mentor, and even when I continued and becoming a mental health therapist, hip-hop has always been something I utilized in terms of connecting with the youth that I was working with, whether it is what artists you listen to, what's your favorite song right now. So it really became one of this this opportunity for us to really connect and really get a better understanding of who the young person was and where they came from and their experiences through the music that they listened to. And in 2017, I decided, look, I really want to formalize this because I was seeing so much resistance and, and colleagues were talking to me about difficulties connecting with young people. And I said, wait a minute, are you using hip hop? Because Hip hop is just one of those powerful cultures that you know, allows us to be able to connect with them. So why don't you start there? And when I start to formalize it and doing these things called symposiums with young people, mental health symposiums, it kind of led to what I'm going to share with you today in hopes you're able to find your hip hop connection that could be powerful in terms of working with young people as well. So mental hop is all about mental health education through hip hop. It's all about understanding the importance of mental health education. And as we know, a lot of times people fear what they don't understand. So the mental hop is, approach is really about educating uh, people around the nuances of mental health, wellness and healing. So they could decrease that stigma and shame that we often see when dealing with or working with um, rather our young people. And then we combine that with the powerful, uh, relevant, vibrant energy around hip hop culture. So we merge these two powerful forces together and you get something I believe that this brings young people in almost instantaneously when you start to utilize it. So the mental health approach is really about engagement, which Ken said, it's all about education, also an empowerment. So engagement through this symposium style or this openness, it's really about authenticity. It's interesting to me that we still struggle sometimes around engagement when the foundations of it are really about trust, rapport, openness, inviting vulnerability, and being your most authentic self as the provider. But hip hop also gives us an opportunity to educate young people, too. 
when you think about hip hop, you think about the sounds, you think about the visuals, you think about the artists, their narratives, their experiences. We can actually utilize the things that they've been through, utilize the music that they present to us to actually help young people understand mental health, understand wellness, and really start to walk into this new idea of of their own healing journey. It it really starts to ignite it because as we know with healing, it's really about the awareness, the beginning, finding your voice, and what better platform to utilize to do that than than hip hop. And and lastly, it's about empowerment. Um, So often we, we, we have all these theories and skills and things that and coping strategies that we try to present to our young people. And that's great. What hip hop allows is this, this ability to, to allow them to take the lead. So what works for our young people? Because remember, they're already listening to hip hop. Interesting enough, when I was doing hip hop and mental hop and wanting to present it to schools, there would be administrators and principals that would say, we're not quite sure if we want hip hop in our schools And then I was like, well, have you ever listened to what's in those AirPods of your students already? Ask them, what are you listening to? And what you're going to come to find out is you're too late (laughs) because more than likely our kids are already ahead of us. So what we're trying to do is play catch up here. And a lot of times what administrators and educators were realizing is that hip hop was already present in their schools. It was present in the music. It was present in the language. It was present in the way the kids dress, the way they communicate, the sounds. So why not take this platform that is already present and utilize it and activate it in a way that really helps young people to embrace this idea of mental health education? So I love talking about hip hop. You're talking about something that started in the 1970s in the Bronx, New York. If there's anybody on the call from New York or from the East Coast that just loves hip hop culture, you know that it came around a time in the Bronx, New York, where there was a lot of struggle, a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties. And this this culture came together to unify and bring people together. So right away, you're starting to see what hip hop is capable of doing, even for our young people. There's four pillars of hip hop culture. You have the DJ, you have the MC, you have breakdancing, and you have graffiti. And I love these pillars because if you think about the DJ, there's a connection there, somebody from BK in the house, um, when their connection there from the DJ is that technology piece. Um, if we see DJing today is much different than it was back in that time. When you're thinking about the MC, you're talking about the narrative, the writing, the language. When you're talking about breakdancing, you're talking about the physical element, the dancing, the style, and then of course, graffiti brings along that creative piece, that artistic piece. So. Of course, all these elements make it the the perfect sort of storm, so to speak, to utilize, to help our young people. And then we have these extensions of of hip hop. We have knowledge. We have health. You're seeing more artists talk about their mental health. We're seeing more artists go into this space of entrepreneurship. So right away, young people are like, yeah, tell me more about this, right? Tell me more. The music is is one part of it, but there's so many other elements of it. And in 2018, it got recognized as the number one genre of music globally. So of course, you have this powerful global platform. It only makes sense to, to connect it with the importance of mental health wellness. And we see so many corporations and organizations are already utilizing hip hop as well, because they understand the power that it has as well. We must continue to find innovative ways to, we really, we have to really address this stigma and shame. Now we have made a lot of leads. I will say that um, with social media and some of the messages and artists and celebrities and people are talking about mental health and wellness a lot more, but we still, we still struggle in terms of a lot of times with our young people. Um, and I think it's because we we still have to get to a point where we really fully embrace this idea of youth voice and giving them the opportunity to really speak and share what their experiences are. But music has the power to heal. Um, it's one thing to listen to music, but to listen to it 
in a critical way that really allows young people to say, when I listen to this song, this is what's taking place inside of me. This is what's taking place outside of me. These are things that I can work and utilize to help me. Uh, music allows for this relatability, this connection to take place. Remember the origins of it. There's a historical element of it where it just brings people together. It's not about you know the negatives. It's not about the positives. It's about coming together and saying, this is what we're going through. And this is what we can utilize to help us get better. Um, if you know 20, uh, just a couple of years within the last year, everything that's going around with social injustice that's taking place in our, in our country, hip hop was really bringing people together um, and really trying to say, look, there's music out there that can unite us all. If you look at the festivals that are going on, you see people from all walks of life coming together. That's the power that hip hop has. And music can be a great tool for provoking thought, um, enhancing critical thinking skills. Believe it or not, you can encourage and teach kids about empathy and building emotional intelligence all through the power of hip hop. So let's talk about engagement. So what I want to do is break it down on how you can utilize hip hop to engage young people, to educate young people and empower young people. Let's first talk about engagement. You can utilize current and past hip hop artists as well to think about the songs that provoke discussion, pique their interest and bring attention to the topic. I know for me, um, being 46, the hip hop that I grew up on is much different than the hip hop that the young people listen to today. Immediately, there's an opportunity for discourse and discussion with our young people. What has changed? What has evolved? You can also create a safe space, you know, that open space where youth can come talk about the artists they love, you know, what resonates with them as they listen to the artists and how does the music impact their lives? Why do they choose that particular um, artist or that particular song? You can select um, music in terms of mood as well. And there's different colors, there's different layers. And I encourage you, think about the tempo of certain songs. Think about the sounds of different songs. Think about the energy that each song has. There's a great opportunity to get kids right away thinking in a more critical way and also thinking about how the music impacts their mood, their feelings, their communication style, how they talk to somebody. Um, right away, you can, you can engage and bring them in. So this engagement piece is really important because what happens is, believe it or not, so often I've seen providers, I've seen graduate students. I'm a, I'm a professor at King University out here in New Jersey. I've seen graduate students, they can't wait to do therapy with those that they serve. They can't wait to do counseling. Okay, so let's look at therapy and counseling as the dinner table with our young people. You are not going to get to the dinner table unless you knock first and spend some time at this door getting to know our young people. Don't rush to get to the dinner table. In fact, when you spend time at this door building that trust, building that rapport, Young people will invite you into their dinner table. They'll invite you. Music is like, it, it's inviting. It brings you into their space. But please don't stop engaging people, young people, when you get to the dinner table. Engagement is a, a continuous process. And that's why utilizing hip hop should be something that happens at the beginning, something that happens at the middle, something that happens even during that, that ending, that transition stage, or sometimes, you know, we, we call it that discharge stage. I like transition better, um, where young people can continue to utilize music to help them feel better. So make sure you knock first. Spend time at the door when you're talking about engagement and get to know our young people. It's, it's critical to do that. So why does hip hop work in terms of engagement? Well, it's raw, it's authentic, it's respected. Our youth connect and identify already with the culture and the artists. Hip hop culture influences the language, the behavior, the feelings in the thought. And I love that raw and authentic piece because when you get kids, you're meeting them at that, that basic level the ground level, not all the theories, not all the approaches, not all the, the regurgitating the things that you've learned in school. No, it's really about, you know, let's pull down the mask and allow vulnerability to really come out. 
Engagement is also beautiful. It's universally influential. There's people from all walks of life that listen to hip hop. It's thought provoking. It's actually a great conversation starter. You're talking about just asking a young person, what's their favorite artist? What artists do they love to listen to? Right away, there's a connection that can happen there. Even if you don't like that artist, now you give that young person the opportunity to teach you. So instead of you coming in as the expert, which sometimes could be, sometimes the resistance comes up from that. Now you put the child in the position of the expert and it relaxes them. And okay, let me share with you what I know and who I am. I also like this rebellious rebellious element as well. If you think about adolescent years, hip hop has always been one of those platforms where some people like it, some people they, they don't like it. But again, if you're thinking about adolescence and what takes place during that developmental stage, you can see why the youth were driving hip hop to being the number one global music um, on the planet at this time. Please utilize hip hop to educate as well. You can learn, facilitate learning discussions, give examples. You can utilize Tupac as a great artist. Here's some songs I'm giving to you guys that you can utilize with visuals where you can have discussions around trauma, around different elements and things like that to really connect with young people. Um, the songs, the videos, the artists, it's a safe space to formulate ideas, perspectives, and you're really building up that emotional intelligence. And lastly, it's about empowerment. Always provide a takeaway when utilizing hip hop. Even if you're looking at a, um, a visual or listening to a song, what do you get from that? What are you taking away from that? And make sure your voice is highlighted throughout the process as well. And why make the connection between mental health education and hip hop? To me, it just makes sense. The kids are already there. Now we're coming into this space, respecting their space and allowing them to be the uh, change agents. I know some examples. Number two, Tupac, Brenda, Dear Mama. Those are songs by Tupac with great visuals as well. So you can utilize those right away. J. Cole, another hip hop artist, great visuals and great um, lyrics as well. Love Yours is the song in Crooked Smile, which is a, a song about self-esteem and self-confidence. But the visual around it is actually around social injustice and gets into the world, into the space of um, police and community relations as well. And then Rod Wave is the latest artist is out now to me, who's really tapping into that emotional place of music. He's got a song called Dark Clouds that talks about just trying to find your peace and also Tombstone, which again, great visuals. These artists are really doing a great job of giving you visuals so you can actually utilize it in teaching spaces and educational spaces as well. It's, it just makes sense. When we utilize mental health and hip hop and we put these two things together, we get great results because, first of all, we're, again, addressing stigma and shame because the artists are already talking about mental health in their music, in interviews, in their in their videos. So now it, it's sort of the kids want to sort of say, OK, if that artist could do that, if Kendrick Lamar could talk about his struggles in Watts or J. Cole could talk about his struggles, or somebody, or Tupac can talk about what he went to, went through, but still make a song like Dear Mama and that level of vulnerability that our young people feel like, you know what, if they can do it, that I can do it as well. So that's the mental hop approach. Thank you so much, guys, for allowing me to share. Thank you, Ken and Opeka, for allowing me to share well, at this time. Thank you, Dr. Essen. And, and again, not first is really the takeaway. Um, I'm a little older, and I remember... Um, it was um, MTV, and my first time hearing uh, it was Run DMC and Aerosmith um, mm -hmm. on the when they were doing the walk, to, and, and it was really one of the most most powerful um, videos. And for me, it was an enlightenment around different music and reaching, uh, which feels like a lifetime ago. But uh, so, thank you very much. Not first, um, and if you haven't uh, tuned into Dr. S's podcast. Uh, uh, couches on concrete are just an amazing. Um, I think you had two more in between. I have to catch up on. Erin, uh, um, you have supported social. Mo oh, did you want to add anything, Erin? Also, this this hour is flying by. I, 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 I was going to say, you, no, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, and you don't even have to introduce me. That that's cool. Hi, everybody. I'm Erin, um, and I work in the field of social emotional learning. So, uh, and I'm so excited actually to follow Dr. S. It's so amazing. Um, one of the things, and there's a connection there. So 
So a lot of times when I do work around social emotional learning, people say, oh, gosh, one more thing for the plate. You know, and, and what we like to say in, in the SEO world is SEL is the plate. It's the foundation, right, that we build on um, so that we can provide and be the best that we can be for our kids um, and the youth that we serve. One of the skills that we um, that we work on in, in social emotional learning is being able to identify your feelings. Now I want you to think about somebody who you enjoy working with. Hopefully it's hopefully it's a colleague. but. Think of somebody that you enjoy working with. And why do you enjoy working with them? Why does working with that person um, feel good? What is it about the person that you enjoy working with? So think about somebody you enjoy working with and why do you enjoy working with them? They have a sense of humor. Are they on time? Are they able to manage their emotions? Funny, kind, intelligent, can relate. Absolutely, right? Easy to talk to. Take time to listen. Have some insight. Are supportive, right? Seem to care, care about my input. Love working with my teammates. She's friendly. Believe hip-hop mental health work is truly engaged learning. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, so there's, a, there's a set of things that kind of connect us with the people we work with. So, Ken, could you hit the next slide, please? And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about social and emotional learning. So I'm not going to read the definition. You've got it here. You can, you can, um, you can read it. But I do want to read the first sentence. Social emotional learning is the process through which all young people and adults acquire the skills they need for a healthy life, right? And I'm paraphrasing, but that's it. So what I'm talking about and when I'm working in the field of social emotional learning, I'm not just talking about the youth that we serve, but also the adults who are, who are serving them, right? And the skills and the traits and the things that need to happen so that we can have a successful relationship. And I was relating to what Dr. S was saying, you know, is, is, is those social awareness skills to be able to know to knock on the door and to connect with the person who answers the door and to listen. So these are all the skills that we're talking about when we're talking about social emotional learning. So, so, uh, so if you had a magic wand and could bestow some skills on the students, the youth that you work with, on the adults that you work with, what would those skills be? And I think as you're thinking about this, I think you would see that they're pretty much similar to the skills of the people that you enjoy working with, that they are these skills of social and emotional learning. And that the cool thing about these skills is that there are things that can be learned and there are things that can be learned at any point in time, right? So there is an evidence-based pedagogy or framework in terms of how we develop these skills, um, how, you how we develop these skills. And it really is talking about teaching, modeling, prompting, and practicing. So one thing when we're thinking about working with our, with our youth and with our adults is we've, we've got to give them those skills. We've got to give them that toolbox, right? And Dr. S talked a little bit about it, the, the coping skills, or, 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 or we've got to give them the tools. But almost as important or more important, we have to model it for them, right? We have to model it. We have to show them how to engage, how to interact, um, and then prompt for it and practice our other opportunities and, and other ways for, for for really building these skills in a cohesive way. And, and I put these slides up here mostly just to talk about that. It is, I, I don't want us to think about this in terms of something separate. Um, SEL gives us the skills and tools we need to be successful. We talk a lot about equity, right? And, and the, the, the part of equity is every child deserves to have um, the opportunities to develop his or her fullest potential, right? And, and that's really what, what we're looking to do. And what SEL can do is help us to do that. Our own ability to acknowledge our implicit biases, our own ability to navigate strong emotions. I was just thinking about when Dr. S was talking, 
why are we so afraid or why are people so afraid to um, to try hip hop, you know, to engage in the hip hop culture? I think for some of us, it's because we're not familiar with it. We're not sure of it. So being able to manage that emotions, being able to have the self-awareness enough that this is what's going to reach my students. This is what's going to reach my youth. What can I do? I um, have in New Jersey what's called um, the Youth Leadership Council. And this year they've decided to focus on mental health. So I'm actually going to see if Dr. Essel comes speak to our to our to our group, but they've decided to focus on mental health and it's a youth run organization. And this is this is in an urban setting, in an urban environment. Um, and there are a lot of challenges that go on in any school district. And I think there's a lot of challenges across the board. And yesterday was our first meeting and I was talking with a young person and she said to me, she said, you know, she said, we were excited to come back and come out of the pandemic, but we get back and it's business as usual. It's just like it's always been. And she goes, and it's not like it's always been. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I just think that we need to slow down. Right. And this is coming from the, from the mouths of our, of our students. And I, I think that's really, I, I bring that up because we have to listen to our youth, just like uh, Dr. S was saying, we have to listen to what they're saying. And again, the social awareness piece, cultivating that social awareness, understanding and honoring and, and, and highlighting different cultures, highlighting our own and giving that safe space. And it's our job to create this. It's our job to create this. It's not their job to conform to how we interact, but but our job to create that space and work with them together as a team. And, and, and the FDL connected to the ability for us to be trauma sensitive, to create those spaces for our youth and to create giving our kids the skills they need to, to move forward. And I was thinking a great way in terms of that, using hip hop to help teach problem solving. And what SEL can do is give the framework using the guides of hip hop, right? Um, and, and really giving them those skills they need to be successful. We know, um, we know there are a lot of risk factors when it comes to working with our youth. We know there are a lot of things that get in the way of our youth success or um, can be triggers for some, for some challenging, um, yeah, challenging, ch challenging uh, situations. But one of the things that we can do is really focus on uh, youth-specific protective factors, really figuring out how we can really engage those protective factors. Um, and, 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 and I'm sure you're familiar with them, but here they are, contact with a caring adult, a sense of connection and participation in school. So finding some way to connect them, positive self-esteem um, and access and access access and care to mental health services beyond, um, beyond the school, finding ways to give them access, right? And so one of the things social emotional learning can do is help us to create this environment, help us to give our, 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 our kids the skills they need to connect, but us as the adults really looking into ourselves and figuring out how I connect. What is it that I need to do to connect with this little person or this young person that I'm working with? Because I, and, and, and the, when I think about this, one of the challenges I see, I also do some work um, with, some, with mental health agencies, and we've been spending a lot of time really thinking about this, right? There is not one person on this call who does not have a stressful job, right? And you have a lot on your plate and we're asking you to, to help and support these, these families at risk or who are significantly in, in crisis. But if we don't support the adults, meaning us frontline workers or the families and children, how are we expected to really support our youth? How are we expected to be creative and find new ways of, of interacting? How are we expected to, to create opportunities for our students to connect, our youth to connect? So I really am asking and really working on focusing on that adult piece right now, right? And really that adult piece. And this is really, 
at the heart of it. So when we're thinking about engagement and building resilience, and we know our kids are resilient, we know for the that they are very resilient, but we need to build that resilience. We need to build that engagement. And here's four basic things that can help create that engaging and resilient climate. Um, To belong and feel connected somewhere. And, and, I'm, and, and I, I just get so excited when I heard Dr. S because I'm thinking in their hip hop group, that might be like the place. Oh, my gosh. Finally, somewhere I, I'm seen, somewhere where, where I belong. People think similar to me or, or we have some of the same things that we like. Right. So how do we create opportunities for people to have that sense of belonging and connection? I do the feelings finger uh, feelings fingerprint. I do the feelings check in, and usually in the beginning of every one of my sessions to get people to start tuning in, right, so that they can then feel as part of a community, right. And the next one, self determination, voice and choice, and and, and again, Mr. S was t- or Dr. S was talking about this so eloquently. One of the, there was some research that came out recently on the effects of the pandemic on our young people. And, and I'm summing it up there. I would look deeper into it, or if you want the link, I can send you the link, but I'm summing it up. At the end of the day, what, the, what they were saying is that our kids who were doing all right before the pandemic are pretty much going to be doing okay now. There might be some bumps in the road, but our kids who might have been on the fence or had mental health challenges or experienced some significant trauma, there's going to be, there's a long road ahead for them. But one of the things they're saying that really shows to have a huge impact in the trajectory with our kids is this idea of voice and choice and empowering that voice, whether it's through hip hop, whether it's through, um, you know, they're, they're, the, the TikTok videos they're doing are finding ways to give them a voice that they matter. What they have to say matters. It's, it's, it, the research is clear how well it, it, it can actually affect the trajectory and it helps to create that connection and that sense of belonging. Island of competence. Um, that really is talking about finding our kids' strengths and finding our own strengths. Many of the kids we work with can give you the laundry list of things that they're not so good at, right? But ask them to tell you their strengths or ask them to tell you, and they, they, they struggle with it. And I, I feel like as Dr. S is talking about, you know, the knocking on the door, I feel like starting with that, starting with what's going well, what's going or what's going right for you, or what are you passionate about, or what matters to you, or what is your superpower, this island of strength, and working from that place, working from that island of, uh, island of competence. I, um, was working with a young man who had some some significant challenges, and we just started, you know, highlighting. And he's a he's a comic. He draws comics, and he just is a great comic. So he was just drawing comics, and and we, that's what we would spend our sessions doing. And ultimately, we were able to use the comics to do the problem solving, to teach the emotional regulation, to express ourselves. But it came from that island of competence, something that he enjoyed, something that he cared about, and something that he wanted to be known for, right? It's very hard to work from that deficit-based approach. And I think us as the adults have to think that way too. What are our strengths? And how can we utilize these strengths to connect with, with the youth that we, that we serve? And that last but not least is the sense of purpose, you know, working with her. Why am I here? Right. What, what, what is this to me? And this, again, why I love, love this idea of hip hop, because it's, it's their purpose. They can find their purpose, again, their passion, their sense of belonging, 
And ultimately, if we're able to do this for our youth, they're able to sort of take the ball and run with it. And they're able to engage in a way that that's never um, been seen before. When I think about creating these basic needs, again, I talk in terms of youth, but I really think it's important for us as adults to really think about the environments that we work in as well. And how do we create this environment, this climate for ourselves, for our fellow colleagues, so that we can then work with our youth and give the best that we can to them to be creative, to try new things like, like for some of you, I, I saw you guys were doing the hip hop, which I think is awesome, um, but to not go back to business as usual because I personally didn't think it worked then, but it definitely ain't working now. So that's my, my charge is figuring out how as adults we can, we can move forward and really support each other to really create these environments that our youth can thrive, not just survive. And then there's just some essentials really. And, and when we're thinking about this, um, you know, and, and somebody put about Dr. Perry, I know having kids slow down, right? Because play is their language. Fun, when we're, when we're engaged, we're motivated. When we're having fun, we're motivated, you know? So, so really thinking about, um, but prioritizing some basic needs, right? Being food, shelter, those kinds of things, right? And then we want to acknowledge and actively engage the youth and families, especially our youth of color and our youth of, with, with disabilities. We, you know, Dr. S was talking about the social, social justice, the diversity, the equity. There are, there's been a lot of things that have been going on just in the forefront. And I think we need to acknowledge that and talk about that and, and, and really hear their perspectives. Again, that social awareness, the cultural awareness, honoring that, respecting it, and uh, uh, really celebrating it. And then this last one, as often as we can facilitate youth-led activities, let them take the lead. You as facilitator, but let them take the lead to really practice these skills. And one of the things that I always tell um, my parents when I'm working around this idea is, Anybody have any idea what the number one skill 21st century global employers are looking for in their new hires? Any ideas? If you were to guess, number one skill. EQ is definitely up there and that kind of encompasses it all. But, and I should say this in the United States, creativity, public speaking, these are all up there. Number one skill is creative problem solving the ability to creative problem solve, that we can teach you the content, but what we can't teach you is how to work well with other people, how to creatively problem solve. Uh, and I teach at Rutgers, and I can tell you that one of the biggest challenges for my students has nothing to do with their intellectual capabilities, but their ability to, 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 um, to kind of do some independent problem solving and coping skills and, and problem solving skills. So that really is encouraging our youth to lead the opportunities, to, to connect into something that they're passionate about. And the last thing I will share with you is something that I learned. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Dr. Robert Brooks. He is at, at Harvard. He does a lot of school work around social emotional learning, resilience, and mental health. And, and you guys all know this, one person, one adult can have a profound um, impact on the lives, lives of, our, of the kids that we work with. We absolutely know that. So he says, every day waking up with this idea of being that charismatic adult, that adult who listens, that adult who, who encourages, who, who notices the strengths and sees me for my strengths truly sees me for my strengths um, and honors and, and respects that. So I, I want to thank you guys so much. I, I tell you, I, I love the excitement. I love the creativity for both of you just sharing. When you think about the work that's getting done, and um, if those individuals are working part of a child family team, 
and the next child family team meeting you have, and you have a youth that sits there and maybe doesn't participate, there might be a reason why. And then if you're filling out or using uh, the, the child adolescent needs and strengths, um, the CANS tools, um, when you find out what their strengths are, if they like music, finding out what type of music. Have they ever shared the song that means the most to them or the group or the person, the performer that means the most? Because everything that you both talked about, youth-led, youth voice, creativity, um, and, and keeping it about those individuals we serve, I think that's the most creative way we can do to engage, knock on that door, and understand it's not about us. It's about those individuals that we serve. We, we chose this field to make a difference. And why, you know, why does it have to be the same old? I love when people, actually one person said this, um, the young person said, everyone said, well, I wish we can go back in time or whatever, think how they used to be. Someone used the phrase familiar times in terms of not being fearful of illness or the, the virus, but in terms of moving forward. And the, the way I think we, we look at music and, and um, creativity and, and even artwork, Here's something that uh, here at Opeka we've incorporated on our website. We're going to hand these out to you, but these, again, hopefully will spark other ideas when you're thinking about those individuals who like music, who like art. Um, these happens. This, this is a skill ske uh, sketch where you can find out what are the areas of um, strengths that they want to build? What are some of the strengths they already have? Um, and it's very familiar if you're using the child, adolescent needs and strengths, the zero, one, two, three skills to build. The person will color um, orange. Again, they choose the colors, skills that are building. So this is something they don't have that they want to build. These are uh, skills that they, they kind of have, but would like to build even and make them more of a strength. Here are skills they are good um, at doing. And here's their skills that they are great. So when you think of measuring um, the baseline. If you saw this here being the first skill sketch, um, this doesn't blame and shame, which are a lot of the terms we've been talking about um, during this hour are very familiar with wraparound. So we wanna make sure youth voice is heard. We don't wanna blame and shame. So this first assessment, and we move over to the second time we assess them, um, and, and hopefully we're doing this more in real time. The goal is to make them uh, um, get closer to the blue and purple colors that they've chosen or skills that they want to build. And obviously we want to keep it age related, but we do want to shift over to the blues and purples. So again, being creative and we can incorporate this um, in our, in our person centered intelligence solutions using technology. I think that's the biggest thing that uh, people uh, are afraid of, because again, they think that kids aren't gonna uh, uh, step up and, and meet the technology challenges. I would venture to guess many of the children, youth that we serve are better at using um, these, these devices than we are. Uh, I, can't, I can only speak for myself, I should have said that first, but utilizing technology, utilizing this in real time so that we can use something like an app in this process. And our person-centered intelligence solution allows this. So this will go out. And if we want to check in how they're doing, not 90 days later at the end of the child, or just before the child family team meeting, we want to make sure we can check in. So being creative, those phone calls that we make, those texts um, that we send out, uh, this particular use of a, an app that we've developed um, to check in to see the real-time progress so that things aren't working, let's, let's mix it up. Let's literally be like the music that Dr. S talked about, like Aaron talked about, the skills of social-emotional awareness, uh, social-emotional learning. So when we use this the technology, we have this technology. It's 2021. Hopefully uh, 2022 is going to be a lot better, but at least we have the ability now to keep in, in, in contact with everyone and we could literally move forward in this process so that we can be as creative as we possibly can. And I think the big takeaway, and I'd like to open up to some final uh, thoughts from our panelists, um, but if we actually collaborate, which is the ultimate goal in this process, to best serve each individual child, youth, and family, the more we're going to say to them that they matter. And so the takeaway is, what if we all made a difference in the lives of those that we serve? This is what I think. We would change the world, one child, one youth, one family at a time, because each individual child and family or adult that we serve, really their life does matter. 
And we need to convey that. And however we do that, we should be doing it as creatively, as respectfully as possible. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ken. And just closing for everybody that's on the call, I just encourage you to use hip hop, the platform to connect with young people, even ever. And I appreciate what you shared as well. Even if you don't know about hip hop, that's a great opportunity to allow a young person to share with you what they do know about the culture. And with so much technology, I encourage you go on YouTube, check out some hip hop artists from the 90s, from the 80s and bring it up to 2000 and see what what does it do to you when you hear some of the music and then utilize that to connect with young people, engage, educate and empower. Thanks a lot, Ken, for uh, inviting me. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, thank you, guys. I'm actually just going to leave with a quote that kind of feels right to me. Don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Uh, And for me, that really focuses. That's actually John Wooden, a a UCLA basketball coach, really thinking about what we can do to engage our youth, to connect with them, to give that youth voice, and also to take care of ourselves. And let's not spend too much time thinking about what we can't do. And and thank you all for tuning in. And um, we hope that you make a difference, be creative as you possibly can, and um, reach out to uh, Dr. S and Erin and... uh, If you have any questions about the work we do here at Opeka, you have our information. And thank you both for taking time out. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, make each life uh, count. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Innovation and Care Collaboration Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or Google, and join us each week as we invite in thought leaders in health and human services to discuss the latest trends in healthcare and technology.